0: You're listening to Coding Blocks, episode 190. Subscribe to us on Spotify, iTunes, Stitcher, wherever you like to find your podcast. Uh, we hope we're there. If you can leave us a review, we would greatly appreciate it. And we're back to the old tried and true uh, routine here. You know the intro, the old, old, the old-fashioned. Can we call it that? Although, although you did read the the things out of
1: order, which was really impressive because oh. I would have stumbled all over that.
0: Yeah. Um, okay. So not so, quite the old-fashioned. This is the modified old-fashioned. This fashion. old-fashioned on the rocks. But you
1: know what's still the same is codingblocks.net is where you can find our show notes, examples, discussions, and more.
2: And you can send your feedback, questions, and rants to comments at codingblocks.net. And you want some tweets? I just tweeted right now. Just tweeted on codingblocks.net. Uh, wait, so, no, sorry, at. <laughs> that's the one with the ats, right? At yes. codingblocks. Uh, also, we got a website. Uh, Alan already mentioned it. So I'm not going to tell you about it again. Uh, with that, I'm Joe Zach.
0: And I'm Michael Outlaw. And I am Alan Underwood. See how I didn't try to confuse you this time? And by not trying to confuse you, it totally confused you. Yeah, totally <laughs> smooth
1: intro. That was great. Yeah, we were all slower there. Five
2: yeah. yes. stars.
1: All right, so Jay-Z is going to introduce us to this particular episode because I think he's the one who found the content.
2: Yeah, but it really shouldn't be me. I think uh, Outlaw should do this one. <laughs> really?
0: Yeah. Okay. Well, we're gonna talk in this episode about really understanding Git. And you might think you understand Git, but you probably don't. It's, you just don't surprising. get it.
2: Get it? <laughs> that's right. It's kinda of surprising. Like you can use something all the time and not really know much about how it works. And so it's kinda of, thought it'd be fun to kind of go back and like look at a few things uh, based I, on an
0: article. I've seen a lot of commits that made me think that's just a way of life.
2: Yeah, I've seen a lot of a lot of things. <laughs> <laughs> seen a lot of git in my life.
1: There has. All right. So before we jump into it though, we, we do like to thank those who have taken the time to write us a kind word or two. And uh Outlaw, I believe it is your honor and privilege to pronounce these.
0: Every time. All right. So uh disturbed mime. Thank you. And also, um, I'm, I'm going to assume that this one will be pronounced Juco. Yeah,
1: maybe. Yeah, probably. Yeah.
0: Hey, the, the Disturbed Mind one, did you
1: read that one? That I one did, pretty, I did. It was pretty, pretty funny. Good. Yeah. Yeah, he, he called out in there, if we don't have him as a guest on the show, which we don't typically do that, as you know, having been with us for a while, um, he was going to drop our five-star to a one-star, which would he would show us cool. how important averages are over percentiles. <laughs> right, so, yeah. right. So that was pretty funny. Um, appreciate it.
0: Yeah. So well, so much for that. Uh, that great review that we had going on there. <laughs> I love it. Stupid averages,
1: right? Oh man. All right. And I think so, it was like
0: I, I assumed he was referencing because, like, you know, iTunes, for example, and I'm sure other platforms do the same thing too. They they show you the average of all the five stars. Like, you know, even if you go to like a, an Amazon. Uh, purchase item, right? You see the average stars there, so yeah.
1: Yeah, that, that's definitely what he was talking about. He was going to try and drop us. Yeah. Uh, oh, <laughs> yeah, that was pretty funny. Um. All right, so this particular episode, Jay-Z found an article by a guy named Mark Dominus where he was basically trying to give you tips for how to use Git. And just a preface for this show, his first part of his article is very short <laughs> and we'll get into that in a minute but he does give a reference to another article that we're going to sort of deep dive in this which is giving you sort of the the underpinnings of what git is so you'll understand the data structure and the model that's happening behind the scenes because ultimately that will lead you to a place of understanding which is where he arrived at right so just wanted to set the groundwork here. So it, it's kind of going to be split between do two different resources, which we will have in the resources we like. But with that, we can jump in now.
2: All right. And so starting with the, the first part, kind of how to uh, approach Git. Uh, first point I make is that Git commits are immutable snapshots of the repository, um, which I, you know, I don't really think. Never, never really thought about a commit being an immutable snapshot of the whole repository, but I guess, I guess why not? Right. It makes sense. It doesn't identify a file, right? It identifies the state at a given point in time. Right. And then,
1: and then the next thing he said, which again, I mean, I guess when you work with it all the time, you sort of get this, but branches are just named sequences of commits. So you have hash ABC, then hash DEF. And then, you know, GHI after that, those three commits, that branch is just, you know, Hey, here's the first
2: one, second one, third one. Right. And that's what makes up your branch. Yeah, And if every, uh, go ahead. No, you go ahead. I was going to say every object uh, has a unique ID based on its content.
0: It's kind of, uh, uh, I'm sorry.
1: Yeah, go ahead. No, no. So this last one that he just said threw me off until I read further. Um, the, every object gets a unique ID based on its content, hold that thought until we get further along. Because when I read that, I was like, I don't really know what it's referring to. Um, but as we get further into this episode, that will become
0: clear. Um, what were you going to say outlaw? Well, the, the branch name thing though, as a series commits, like, um, I guess he didn't really make it clear. I don't, if I recall, I'm trying to go back I'm skimming it, skimming back over it now. I don't think he like went into like a super lot of detail what he meant by that about the branches or named sequences of commits. Uh-uh, I doesn't. thought of it more as uh, a branch is just a named commit. Whoa. So in that in that commit can move over time and and because even in the other even in the other article that he referenced get from the bottom up they made a similar comment and they said that tags are also named commits. The difference is that with a tag you can't change the commit, right? Like it's, it's, although technically you can, but.
1: Well, no. So I think, I know where you're talking about. Um, So the branch being a sequence of commits, like if you were to do a Git log on a branch, you're going to see all the commit hashes that happened over time, right? And so it's a sequence of them. If you were to get checkout a tag and you did a get log on that, all you're going to see is that one commit ID because it's just that hash, right? It, there's no, there's no history to it whatsoever. It's just that one point in time. It's that one snapshot. So that's, I think why he calls the branch, okay. the series or sequence of commits.
0: Okay. I could buy into that, but also I think what I said is still true as well, because that's how you can like get checkout to a particular branch name. Right, because but that you, name is is pointing to a specific commit ID. It but, is a
1: specific commit at the head, but it would still have a history of all the commits led leading up to that one, right? So if you were to push up a branch that had five commits in it and then and then I did a git pull and I checked out that branch and I did a git log on that branch, I would see all five of those commit hashes, right? And in, in the order of the log history that it happened. And I think that's why you say it's a sequence of commits because it comes along with the branch.
0: I wonder if I can find that other comment that I was referring to. All right, well let's move on. We won't We will hit the tag up. thing here in a little bit though. I do have that in this particular
1: episode. So now, we'll
2: we'll get to that. Uh the next thing in this article is a picture of a dumpster that's on fire. <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah. He uh, definitely think, has some opinions about the git command line. Yeah, but sure.
2: And so what he's talking about here is basically the, uh, the command set. So the actual commands that you type in, uh, not too much of a fan of, uh, basically how it was kind of evolved, uh, by kind of what he calls, uh, piling stuff on top of, uh, new commands on top of other commands and also how it's documented, which is something that I think at least I've complained about like pretty often, just that there's kind of like these, um, these weird commands that you can run and there's all these kind of like obscure flags. You're like, if, if you get like even slightly off the path, things just kind of get a little weird. So I think that's kind of a common sentiment. Uh, not too controversial. But like you said, uh, you know, once things have been out there for a while, it's really difficult to change because, you know, it's, it's essentially a public API at that point. Right. So any changes you make could be breaking scripts or, or whatever. So it's a, it's a problem.
1: Yeah. And I mean, he, he was definitely colorful in how he explained his hatred of, of the gig command line. Yeah. <laughs> like he, he wasted probably, well, I wouldn't say wasted. He spent a couple of paragraphs, um, belaboring his point on, yeah. on the dumpster fire.
0: Yeah. I, I, I should probably be embarrassed, but the because of, uh, you know, my, um, not brightness, I will not be embarrassed because like, I actually <laughs> went back and looked up, like he referred to something as being non-orthogonal and I'm like, okay, wait a minute. I don't hear that term every day. Let me go back and like, look at like, what do we mean by that again? And I was like, okay, yep. Okay. I get it. You're not the only one. I I did the same thing for that. You know, the worst. Yeah. And
1: and you know, the worst part is if you do define non-orthogonal, all the definitions are not orthogonal.
0: Yeah. And I'm like, you really? No, (laughs) no, I, I went to, okay, good. I don't feel so bad then cause I was like, I guess I'm going to be like the guy who's like, you know, I potent. Uh, you know, cause there's like some words in computer science that just trip me up every time. But uh, no, there was a, I guess I'll include a link to the Wikipedia article for the orthogonality computer science definition of it. And then I was like, okay, I reread it like eight times. And I'm like, okay, <laughs> I, <laughs> I grokked
1: a 10th of it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, that's so funny. All, All right. right. So w- one of the things that this guy says though, that is that I agree with. He said there's a lot of software out there that you can use that you don't have to have a deep understanding of, right? And there's probably a lot of software like that. I'd even argue that a lot of programming languages people use that way. The operating right. system.
0: There you go. The operating like how system. How many people like really dive in to understand their operating system?
1: Don't know anything about it, right? But then he goes on to say you can't do that with Git. And I don't know. Uh, we'll come back to my thought on this here in a second
0: because. I think he's right, man. I think he's right. I agree. So you can definitely get into trouble if, yes. if by not knowing. But there are definitely people that don't that don't care. And they're just like, these are the three commands you tell me to run. Okay, I will always do these. And I will make sure that I never do anything other than those. And I will never step outside of that box. And, you know, that's fine. That'll get you
1: 80% of the way, right? And, and I think that's true. I think what you just said is if you learn the git checkout dash B and the git ads and the commits and all that, you can probably make it by for the most part. But what stinks is, and this is where it really stinks is when they get stuck in, in some sort of pickle because they don't understand what's going on, then they have to call you, right? Or they call me or they call Joe or they call somebody and they interrupt somebody else because because it didn't do exactly what it did the other 20 times that they
0: did it. You know what I mean? Yeah, and that's fine. And, like, I think um, it might have been the other article where they referred to, like, you know. No, I think I'm pretty sure it was, was this article, the main article, where he was referring to, like, going back to your Git expert, like, when you got into yes. trouble, yeah. you know. And so that that's where my point was. Like, I don't know. Do you really need to know like all the internals of Git? Like, I don't even think I know. I don't. I don't. I wouldn't even claim to say that I know all the internals of Git. But I think I'm I'm pretty dangerous with it. Well, yeah. yeah I, I mean, go I ahead. was gonna say like, there's some things that are just
2: kind of like tougher than you would think they should be. Like, how do you delete a branch? Right. There's git branch dash d lowercase if it's been merged, uh, capital D if you want. You know, if it hasn't been, it's got commits that haven't been merged. Now, if it's remote. You got to push with the colon. So it's just these kind of like these weird things that like, you know, if people aren't familiar with it, then they're not comfortable with it and they just don't delete their branches. And someone's got to send an email saying everybody clean up your branches. Right. And then, and then they may
1: not even understand it, but that, I guess that leads into his point of the reason why he said you can't do, you can't go in to get blind is because he said the commands don't make sense. And this is where he was railing on, on the commands as they evolved over time is He said the the problem is really what you have to do is you have to think about the state that your repository is in, right? You have to think about what state you want it to be in, and then the problem is there's likely a bunch of different ways to do that transition from one state to another, Um, and we'll actually define repository here in a minute. Um, and what, what his whole point was, and I think I agree with this after having used Git for many years now, is he said, if you try and understand the commands without actually understanding what's happening behind the scenes, you'll absolutely get lost. And, and I believe that to be true because some of the things don't make sense. So, um, my favorite one is this, the opposite of a Git push is not a Git pull. It sounds like it should be, but it's not a Git fetch is the opposite of a git push. And so just that misunderstanding alone could put you into a bad state, right? Cause if you get pulled a branch that you didn't realize you were doing, you completely alter the state of your current branch. Um, so that's one um, get checkout. He said was, was, uh, as, was worse than get reset because get reset does three different things depending on the flags that you pass it. Right? So, it's not like you can just think about it being this thing that's going to reset your branch. That's not necessarily the case. So that was his point with being irritated with the command line is because it's not like your standard command verb action type thing to where you expect it to do a certain thing every time. Depending on what number of 5,000 flags you can pass to some of these Git commands, it's going to do something that you completely don't expect, anticipate, have no idea what you just did.
2: Yeah, I think that's all fair. Like upstream branches, like you th- like think of examples of just like kind of things that are just awkward and like if it can really get you in trouble. And yeah, man, if, if you pull the wrong branch into yours, or like have you braced? Like if you're not familiar with getting you based off the wrong branch, trying to like fix that stuff, like that's really painful. Yeah,
1: and and for those who aren't aware, like we just threw out a couple like get push, get pull, get fetch, right? Get pull like takes your origin whatever you're attached to with the origin and tries to merge the changes into whatever your local working tree is
0: well it does it let's let's be more clear it does two commands in one it it does the git fetch and a git merge operation right. and so you know the way i interpreted his statement here was like not necessarily that you're doing the git pull without specifying a remote head or a branch name, you know, like maybe, like I just assume, like you know, maybe you are like he because he didn't make a clarification of like what com- parameters on any of these commands, you know. right, right. So because because even Git pull, depending on how you use it, can pull different things. Yeah, it can pull from a local branch, right? Oh, well, tracking. I mean, I meant there's a difference between Git pull and Git pull origin master. Those two things will do different things. So in the in the in the second option of git pull origin master, you're only pulling down the changes and potentially you know and merging them in uh, from a very specific branch. Whereas the git pull will pull whatever the default is, but it'll also pull all the other references down as well. So other tags and branch names as well. So now your repository will know of those other things. Yeah. So an
1: important thing about what he said right there is if you said get pull origin master, if, if outlaw created a branch up there that he wanted to share with me and Jay Z, uh, if I did a get pull origin master, when I go to check out that branch, you know, get checkout shared branch, it won't exist because I didn't pull down those references to that branch and the commits and all that. You'd actually have to do a get pull to get the, that branch, any tags, anything extra that's up there. So like yeah, I mean, we haven't even gotten deep into any of this, and you can already see how it could be super confusing to somebody that that doesn't know how these things actually work behind the scenes. So and that was that was actually this guy's point. And I thought it was super valid was he said, the biggest problem is if you don't understand sort of the underlying model, the the structure that happens behind the scenes, you don't even know what questions to ask or to Google for to try and get yourself back into a good state, right? Like you did something and all of a sudden you see a bunch of red when you do a get status and you're like, I, I, I have no clue, right? You can, you can Google whatever that red shows up, but you may not even know what happened to get you into that state. So you don't really know where you are. And and I think that's fair. If you don't know how to ask, how to get back to a good place, then that means you probably don't understand
2: the system enough to to just really just be dangerous with it. Is it so funny? You remember the first time you installed Git on Windows? And, like, some of the things you have to answer right off the gate is, like, how you want to run with Sidewin or Git Bash. And you're like, oh, okay, I'm just going to pick one. And you're like, all right, now tell us about your line endings. And you're like, whoa. Yeah. yeah. yeah and then right? if you want to actually save your password, you know, back then, like, it used to be complicated how you'd have to kind of set up your credential manager. Like, hopefully some of that stuff's easier now. But, like, all those things were, like... It, you know complicated and you have to get config to set your email and you know now it kind of prompts you so yeah, like everything's gotten better but it just uh it's been a rough user experience for git but it's succeeded against all that because uh, the underlying structure is so good right
1: you know what's so funny about that line ending thing. i remember the first time i saw that i was predominantly a develop developer on windows so the line endings you never thought about right like yeah. What are you talking about? What what is CRLF versus what? What, what am I going to do here? <laughs> right? Oh yeah. man. Those those were the worst. So that all that said, this was his sort of intro into this thing and he said what saved him was actually understanding git. And so we're going to have a link to another it's not even an article. It's, it's an open source book that is published on GitHub, is essentially what this is, and it's called Get From the Bottom Up, and we're going to talk about this in depth on this podcast um, without without going into very specific you know, commands that they have, like with hash numbers and all that kind of stuff, um, but we are going to talk down into the weeds So that hopefully you'll get the concept. And really, I think this, we haven't had very many episodes like this, where I think that we're like, hey, you need to go try this, right? Um, You know, follow along. I think this would be a good one. If if you deal with Git on any frequency at all, we're going to have some links in here that, that will take you to things like when we start talking about blobs and all that. I highly recommend going up and running the commands that they have there. Because it will actually burn a map into your brain about how Git is doing things and why things happen like they do. Um. So
2: I guess I'll talk a little bit more. Uh, yeah. Sorry, I was just thinking, it's like, if, if so I was talking to a beginner, it was like two things you should never do: like, never, never reset <laughs> at all, ever. I, you know, I was joking that sometimes you had to, uh, and also never revert. <laughs> Well, so the reset I use all the time. Yeah, you know, I, I, do say, I do that too. But that, I mean, that's like, that is literally how you lose stuff. Like when you lose stuff, that's how it happened. Well, depending on the flags and this goes back to his point, right? If you just do a
1: git reset, it sort of unstages your files, right? Yeah. If you do a git reset hard, you're starting to, to lose changes. And that's, I mean, well,
0: yeah, this is, this is, so you can accomplish that same thing with the, the checkout. So right. if you have, if you have already done a get add the a t- of a file name to undo that, get ad, you can get reset that same file name as Joe drinks his vodka. while we. Talk. And the reset doesn't change <laughs> the file. He's already, we've already turned him to alcohol. He's already like, forget it. I'm out. So, so yeah, that, I mean that, that's the, that's the rub there though. Right. It's like, you know, you're undoing this, you're unstaging the file in that particular scenario. But then you introduce this like dash dash hard head where you're saying like, Hey, I want to just reset the file back to this specific point in time, which in that specific example, we're saying head, which is a special variable in Git that references, whatever the tip of the branch was, uh, but you could also do a get checkout minus minus in the file name. And that will also like undo whatever changes you've made to it.
1: Yeah. It's, it's kind of as ridiculous. Long, right? It,
0: as long as the, the checkout minus minus, as long as it'll undo the f- changes that haven't been staged. And this is why it gets
1: so crazy. Um, by the way, if you ever do accidentally get reset, and blow away your changes, hopefully your IDE that you're using snapshotted changes along the way. A lot of times it will. If you're using IntelliJ, probably even Visual Studio, it might be worth looking in there. That should have been a tip of the week. Um, <clears throat> but so back to Mark real quick before we get into the, um, get from the bottom up. He doesn't love Git. Like he calls it out explicitly. He's like, yeah, I don't love Git, but he did call out that he uses it on purpose. He chooses to use Git because, because it's so effective at what it does. And he uses it well because of the learning that he did that we're going to embark upon here. Um, all right. So let's see, what else do we have? Oh, and Ed outlaw mentioned it just a minute ago. So, the first quote that I put in here that he had was um, the best advice I have is read Wigley's or Wigley's explanation. Set aside time, go over it carefully and try out the, his examples. It fixed me is what he said. And then the next one that he met that outlawed mentioned is it's very hard to permanently lose work. That's really important. If you know how to use Git, you probably won't lose anything. If something seems to have gone wrong, don't panic, remain calm and ask an expert and and that's the thing, right? Like you don't have to be an expert at it, but at least if you have a base understanding, then you can, you can kind of operate in there without fear. Right. And I think that's important.
0: Yeah. I mean, I I remember, I mean, kind of to his point though, of like learning the, the behind the scenes things. Like I remember for me, I don't know what your, your experiences were with it, but like I was coming at it from mercurial, Like we were, we were a heavy material shop at the time and, uh, some colleagues, you know, and I were talking about, uh, about Git, and that was what kind of turned me onto it when it was one of my coworkers. And so I picked up an O'Reilly book and like started going at it in depth from, from there. And so, and that was like, you know, a decade or so ago, but, um, I think that that helped, like having gone through that kind of detail, which is kind of his point here, right? It was like, you know, he's referencing this uh, get from the bottom up book. And for me, it was, you know, I guess like an O'Reilly book or something. But every time I look at the O'Reilly book, I'm like, man, I swear I don't remember that being the picture. (laughs) But they don't Uh, change the animal. So I'm like, well, I don't know.
1: I definitely did not pick up a book. I probably took one of those online tutorials and said,
2: all right, got it. (laughs) Moving on. Yeah, I want to know, there was a popular Git book at the time that uh, didn't have an animal on it. I want to find it now, but I thought it had like a clock or something. It was like weird.
0: I, I I mean, I put the I put a link, I'll have a link in our resources we like to the O'Reilly book, but I swear this is not, A, the time that the, the release date is off, and I'm not sure if they're referring to that's the release date of the second edition, and but they don't say like what the release date is the first edition is, but the second edition date seems like it doesn't line up with when I was reading it. But then, um, and like I said, the the animal, but they don't change the animals on the, on the new editions, from what I recall.
1: But. I think outlaw, he, he dreamt it up and knew get when he woke up the next morning. <laughs>
0: Apparently like I didn't even know that was a thing, but yeah.
1: <laughs> All right. So, we are actually going to break here because the very next section that we're going to jump into is actually get from the bottom up because that gets into the technical nitty gritty details. Um, so we're going to break here.
0: All right. Well, uh, with that, we ask, why did the cookie cry? Crumble. Something cut. It was feeling crummy. All right. <laughs> uh, Joe was on the right track. Joe was on the right track. Don't cut. Don't Why get not? that away from him. All right. So, uh, you know, at, hey, be like disturbed um, mime and uh, Joko and leave us a review. Like, be like them, right? I mean, maybe not like threaten us with like a one star if we don't have you on the show and like you're gonna like ruin the averages. You know, I mean, that might that 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 that's going a little far. But you know, whatever, we'll 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 take it. Uh, Whatever floats your boat. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. But, you know, so if you haven't left us a review, we would greatly appreciate it. Uh, You can find some helpful links at www.codingblocks.net slash review. And with that, we head into my favorite portion of the show, Survey Says. All right. Uh, A few episodes back, we asked, does your job include any toil? And your choices were... Of course, it includes some, but it's a reasonable amount. Or, this topic is opening my eyes to how much toil my job has. Or, I think my job includes too much toil, but my team won't do anything to change it. Or, oh my god, if I removed the toil from my job, I'd have no job left. This <laughs> uh, is 190, so to tr uh trademark rules of engagement, Jay-Z, you are first. Okay, I'm going to say...
2: Uh, of course, it includes some, but it's at a reasonable amount. And uh, I am going to say that we you know, take the four care of the one. Uh, a little, ooh, no. Nope, nope. 28%. 28 Twenty-eight. Very precise. I was whew, close. I almost messed up.
1: <laughs> <laughs> All right. So I'm going slightly more pessimistic on this particular. Answer set. I'm gonna say this topic is opening my eyes to how much toil my job has. And I'm gonna go with thirty three
0: percent. Thirty-three percent. Yep. All right, drum roll please.
2: <laughs>
0: I was just curious to see if anyone would try to do like mouth drum roll and oh my god, this worked out better than I could have imagined. That was a that was an even better joke than any of the other jokes I've ever told before. Uh <laughs> Oh, what else can I get you guys to do while I got you on the line? Um, Joe wins. No. Of course. Yeah. Oh, man. Yeah. I knew it. Two-thirds. 66%. Yeah, two-thirds, yeah. Of course it has right. some.
1: That's good. Right. Yeah, That actually good. makes me happy. That, yeah. that means that people aren't spending their time doing stuff that they hate. Yeah. Yeah. It would
2: be weird if you didn't have any. Yeah,
1: if you didn't have any,
0: you're not actually programming. You know, we didn't even have that as a. It's to- an option. I guess Doesn't we were being sense. pessimistic and just assuming that, of course, you have some <laughs> oh, amount yeah, of toil. <laughs> <laughs> no, no toil wasn't even an option. Yeah. Uh, all right, See, I mean, your your choices literally went from like we've got a little bit to like we've got it's all toil. <laughs> it's <laughs> <Yeah>. maxed <style>. out. <laughs> Uh, all right, well for this this episode, gee, I mean maybe we'll be a little bit more uh, optimistic this time. We ask we're I mean we're talking about git, so why not? How do you feel about git? Your choices are love it, leave it, you better gain way, or SVN for life. Or I miss Mercurial. Very nice. Yes. But I think it's important. Like you, you beat on your chest when you do the SVN for life. You know. Yeah. Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. yeah,
1: like the Sammy Sosa. Um, you know, <laughs> thing to the. Cl- Wait, that's sports
0: ball. Uh, you guys may not get that. No, reference totally got mode. that reference. Totally. Did you? No. Yeah, the basketball lie.
1: reference. Oh God! I give.
0: <laughs> <laughs> um. Somebody's listening to this episode for like the first time, and they're like, "Wait a minute, what? <laughs> How roll?" yeah we cringe well all right well while we're cringing let me tell you this a man is washing his car with his son the son asks dad can't you just use a sponge (laughs) (laughs) i knew it was going there (laughs) all right so So get from the bottom up yeah or jay-z you wanted to say something
2: Uh, I was going to say this book, Jay weekly, we talked about, we'll have a link in the show notes Uh, and it's actually up on github.io. You can go read this right now. It's formatted really well. It's got some nice diagrams and uh, it's just really good. Like it doesn't look like a github pages page to me. Like it looks like a real thing.
0: (laughs) Yeah. I found, uh, the first edition of the, that book, uh, the, the O'Reilly one was 2009. So that more lines up with what I was thinking. So, uh, That probably, that that has to be the book. I just, I swear it wasn't a bat, but. Still not the same picture though? I I mean, I thought it wasn't. I definitely know it was an O'Reilly book, but I guess like, you know, those words just had me so captivated. I don't even remember what the picture looked like.
1: Uh, Yeah, that's it.
0: All right, so getting into
1: Git from the bottom up, the first thing we're going to go over is some vocabulary because I think that's one of the things that a lot of people get confused on and actually frustrated by because depending on the tutorials you look at and even maybe some of their documentation, it's not consistent all the time. So they wanted to set out some ground rules here. So I guess, uh, you know, one of you guys
0: take some of these. Yes, right, sure. Repository is a collection of commits each of which is an archive of what the project's working tree looked like at a past date, whether on your machine or someone else's. And as I mentioned before, uh, there are special, you know, uh, variables or, you know, yeah, I guess that'd be the best way to, to say it. Well, I mean, we're going to get to this one specifically later, but special, uh, you know, Keywords or variables? Yeah, I think variable would be the best way to call it. Head was where I was going with that. Like, and it it identifies the tip of the branch uh, or the commit that um, where the tree started from.
2: Yep, and And they actually start. Say say again. Starts from the most
1: recent commit. Right. Right. So the last commit that happened on that particular branch. Um, they did call head an alias. Because it's and an alias that points to, to that. the to the latest commit on that branch.
0: I couldn't think of a good word. Thank you. Yes. Where were you like five seconds ago?
1: Well, I didn't want to interrupt your flow don't there. Yeah. To do it. It's okay. Yeah. Um, and also, they said the repository contains a set of branches or tags that allow you to identify commits by a name. So that goes back to that whole sequence of things, right? So if you have a branch that you name, my branch, then... That is how you get to that
2: set, that string of commits that led to the current state of that branch. It's interesting. So, a, a repository is a collection of commits. Uh, each one's an archive, and it contains a set of branches or tags that allow you to identify. And then, you as a user might go up to GitHub or GitLab, for example, and you might clone a repository, which is, uh, you know, like when you say the word clone, to me, it means you're grabbing a copy of everything, right? Um, so it's just kind of interesting. And so I'm just kind of commenting on the, the terminology that they use and how kind of awkward and confusing it can be to, to use words. But also, <laughs> it's not like we have better words to really, you know, kind of use in these use for these concepts. Like, these are, I think that's kind of the hard part with Git. It's, like it's almost like an alien language that you just have to learn.
1: Well, I think I think after we go through the rest of these definitions and we get into some of the underlying fundamental pieces of it, the Git clone will actually make a little bit more sense at the and at the end of this episode. I think we'll get to a point where it'll make more sense. All
0: right, good. But but this does like go back to what I was saying before about the branch and the tag being basically a name, an, a, yes. a named reference to a commit ID. So rather than like Get checkout commit ID blah, blah 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 blah, which is going to be like some long string. It's going to be some SHA one hash, which you could right? do right. Like you that's could totally do to mention right. You you can totally check it out by commit ID, but instead, um, the the you can name that thing instead, and it's a lot easier for you and I to reference and say, hey, just get checkout dev, and now you can get the dev. And we can keep iterating on that in the, in that thing being an alias, it's going to move as, as you and I update the dev branch in that scenario. Whereas that commit ID is never going to move because the commits are immutable. So if you keep get checking, check out some commit ID, you're always checking out the exact same thing. Right. And again, this is, I mean, we can kind of go ahead and I guess, skip to the head, uh, alias definition if we wanted to because you can check out the commit id but it would put you into what's referred to as a headless state um you know because you're you're literally just that commit id yeah it's um,
1: called detached head when you see that um which sucks because if you ever get into that state that means suck? there's no history there's no history right like it, you wouldn't it, i would say I, it that way I, what what I mean, the fact that you checked out the commit ID is history. It, no, it's it is a snapshot of the state of the branch
0: at that point in time. There is no that history is, there, but it that is that is a point in time that is history it's by a its snapshot. Though, and that's that's the important. There might part not is. be like you know additional, uh, you know, you you can't commit to that thing and then see more history to it. Nor
1: could you check out the previous commit because there wouldn't be one. It's not linked together there. So if you check out a tag, right, let's just say that it was commit number 10. If you check out 10, if if you were to say, like, get log on that, you wouldn't see 987654321. They're not there. So there's no, when I say history, there's no sequence of commits that lead up to that in that particular state, you literally have a snapshot of the code at that point in time. Whereas if you checked out the branch that also pointed to that same commit ID 10, right? Let's say that you checked out dev, dev was at 10 and you did a git log. You would see 10, 9, 8, 7, 6, 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. And you'd be able to see the whole sequence of events that led up to it.
0: Well, this goes back to Mark's definition of it being of the branch being a sequence of a commits, sequence, right. but, but I still want to like, I don't want anyone to think that the commit itself isn't history. Like the commit itself is history, you just can't do anything else from there. It's well, that's why they
1: that's why they call it out in the Git from the ground up. It is a snatch a snapshot of the repository at that point in time. That's I guess
0: I guess I don't know. Maybe I'm just being weird here because like to Lower me like history. every commit is a a a point of history. So that's why like, I'm trying to be careful with the wording here because, you know, as we get later on into here, when we start talking about the ref log, right? Like that's all of the hit, that's all history. And you could go back to any one of those commits, which is a moment in history. It's a moment in time. You might not, you know, you might be limited in your options. Like what you're saying in terms of like, Git log, uh, you know, from that point and seeing like everything else that may, that's, you know, uh, from there or being able to commit for more into it. So, so I understand where you're going with that. But I think I think the biggest thing to take away from it
1: is there's no timeline, right? If you check out a commit, it's that that's all you have. If you if you well, if you check out a tag, it's just that thing. You can't look back across the timeline and see what led up to
0: it. You know what if might help on be on that commit. What um, might be helpful here? We're talking about commit. Let's define commit. A commit is a snapshot of your working tree at some point in time. So that wording right there, some point in time, goes along with what I with what I was saying. Is like it is kind of history. It's it is you know, it's at some point in time, right? It's a historical marker, right?
1: I think, so if I, let me, let me pull this out into a I think different. the difference
0: is that log option is what you're, where you're going. The analogy,
1: yeah, the analogy like, that, that I can think of is this, right? Like if you have a video, a video is just a sequence of pictures, right? More or less um, with sound, but let's just take sound out of the equation.
0: And then commit would be ha- like one still. Of that video. It's
1: one still in that video with no linkage to the shot before it or after it, right? Like that, when we're talking about a Git commit, and if you check that out or you check out a tag, you were checking out that picture. You cannot
0: look before or after it. But if that you, picture still represents a moment of history. It's a moment of history. So, so that's why that's, that's the distinction I was well, trying to make. Well, it's a moment in time. History,
1: history imply, this is, this is where it gets hard, right? <laughs> if you're talking about history, then it implies that there's things leading up to it. So yeah, of course there were things that led up. Well, to I mean,
0: there's lots things down. that led up to it.
1: Right. If I show you saying. a
0: picture of, you know, the delivery of my son, you can, you can infer that things happened to like bring him in there into the world. A right? stork. Astoric well, product. you know they they do say that a commit is the state of head at the time the commit
2: was made, so it does imply that it requires the rest of that history in order for it to make sense because it, it's ultimately a diff on the state before. So you can't really have a just a commit by itself. You know, it kind of implies it's got the 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 cha- the history along with it.
1: It's it's a very bizarre thing, but we're going to go further into this. So let's let's move on past this. The next thing that. Because we're going to have to come back around to it. I don't even think we're going to get to it in this particular episode in terms of what it'll mean when we get even further into this. Um, the next thing that they define is the index. So here's what's really interesting about Git. And I'd say probably one of the things that I like the most about Git is Git does not commit the changes from your working tree into the repository. Um, so instead of committing those things straight into the, into the repository, like you might've done with a subversion or something like that back in the day, the changes are registered in the index. That is also referred to as the staging area before you actually, um, commit quote unquote, those changes into the repository. So what we were saying earlier about git reset and what it could do, right? Let's say that you made some changes to a file right now. You just made changes to a file. Nothing's happened. If you say git add that file, what it does is it stages that file as something that git is going to know about that you're going to want to commit at some point. But when you do a git add, it just adds it to the index of files that git is tracking now. You have not actually submitted any changes to that file into the repository. It is just sitting there waiting for you to do it. And the way, and, that's where if you get reset it, where you staged it and you said, hey, I have my new file in here um, that I care about. If you did Git reset, it just takes it out of the index. Nothing ever changed in the repository in that particular setup. That's
0: asterisk, right? <clears throat> Which part? The, the changing to the, to the re- repository. Because I think later he does go into like, technically when you stage it, there is it is being added into the repository in a special format. That's why you're able to like get check out minus minus changes on a file after you've staged it. And you're only undoing the changes since you last staged it. But so it is, it, it does technically still know of the new changes that you staged. Right. So like, that's where I have like a lot of things there. in life. It's complicated. Right. right. <laughs> but but I did want to go back. So I was curious about something because I'm like, wait a minute. Is that true? And I want to correct it because if you check out, if you get check out a commit ID, you can see the log history. Uh, but if you get check out a tag, you cannot. Um, well, I don't didn't believe. try a tag. But but I'll try a tag in the background. I, I don't remember. So my guess is if you get
1: check out a commit, um, my guess is it's probably finding the alias or whatever branch has that as the tip would be my guess, but I don't know.
0: I mean, no, you're just checking out the specific. Okay. Here's, here's the one thing. And, and they kind of cover this here too. If you were to think of everything as a commit and then build on it from there, Then what you just said wouldn't have made sense, right? Because a branch is nothing more than a commit, right? And here in this definition from "get from the bottom up," it says a branch is just a name for a commit, uh, and much you know we talked more about commits already. Also called a reference, right? But literally, like there's nothing, but not
1: everything's a commit. And that's, that's where I was getting ready to go. You can't think of everything as a commit because actually the most basic building block is the blob. Yeah. They are, which we'll get blob. into in a little bit. So, and that gets even more crazy because there are types, right? There's blob tree, other stuff. And, and we'll get into that, but that's why commits like a, a level above it is sort of what stores the metadata about the actions that did happen at the time and it's
2: pretty amazing that you can work for something for like 10 plus years and still like have
0: arguments kinda, about it.
2: <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, uh, so it, you know, it's interesting. And, and I'm wondering, it's like, is it just hard? Is it confusing? Is it?
0: Well, I think so that's Mark's point.
2: Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah, it is. And totally, I mean that that's w- when we started looking at this, that's what kind of surprised me is how much I didn't actually know about what it was doing behind the scenes. Right. Um, and, and so l- let's get into that because, um I think I think with Outlaw go, he and I going back on the history thing we're both saying the same thing um it's the terminology that that is tripping me up and probably probably just the way that we're communicating about it is is the hard part especially cuz he knows git way better than I do as far as the commands and and how to do things cuz he has done crazy stuff with git that most people probably haven't done um so Let's knock out the rest of the vocabulary and get into some of the fundamentals of what it's doing behind the scenes, because that will actually paint a picture of what's happening on your hard disk. Um, I think working so, tree,
2: yeah. So working tree is the the next one. So uh, and that's any directory on your system that is associated with a repository. And in the shorthand, you can think of like anything as a Git folder. So when you clone something, uh, your working tree is that local folder on your computer that is associated with that Git repository that you're actually doing your local work in. And that Git folder it's talking about is .git?
1: Yes. And chances are, depending on which OS you're on, that's hidden. So if you're on Windows, you'll have to show hidden files. If you're on Mac, you would have to do the same thing. Um, but if you did like an ls-ah or something, then it should show it up in in your file system, right, from the terminal.
2: and uh branch so wait, wait, uh, we, wait, wait. the 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 commit wouldn't do the state of the head one first okay yeah so this, this is kind of a sub blunder so commit we talked about being a snapshot of your working tree at some point in time and it's not just uh, the one commit but also the commits that led up to it and the state of head uh, at the time that your commit is made becomes that commits parent this is what creates the notion of a revision history. Uh, so as you make a commit, the new commit becomes
1: head is basically yep, what they're the saying.
2: head right moves there. as you go along. Right. And uh, that's always, that's some terminology that's always confused me. And there's like been some sort of, um, you know, merge or something. It's like, t- which one's the parent? And I'm like, whoa I'm out of here. <laughs> <laughs> uh, let, me, let me try this from a different angle. Right. Uh, so branch uh, name for a commit uh, the difference there being that uh, unlike the head, which kind of travels as an alias to it, to whatever is the latest, A branch is uh, the name for, this is really hard to talk about.
1: It it is. Um, So it stores the history of commits. Um, And and this is where they talk about the lineage, it being the branch of development. So when you have a branch, right, you check out that branch. Well, God, I, I mean, I guess if we go back, if you were to say, when you created the branch, whatever you branched it off of, we said was the starting point of that branch, right? So the head of wherever you checked it out from becomes the beginning of that lineage of that branch, right? So now any commit you make to that branch, is just history stacked on top of that original checkout.
2: Yeah, I just got tripped up because I'm thinking, you know, a branch is a name for a commit, which is not different from a head, but my branch locally can have a different head from my you know remote server uh, because I haven't pulled lately, or maybe I've got some stuff you know checked in. So the head of my branch is ahead of the remote. So it's kind of confusing to have this term that kind of uh, refers to, it, or to say that it refers to uh, any sort of commit. So just just kind of interesting. It's your working trees branch, right? And that's
1: that's the key. If you're if you're looking at the origin or some remote you're right, its head could be totally different because it has different commits than what you've done to yours locally, but your working tree branch is whatever your latest commit is on that particular sequence you checked out.
2: Yeah, it's kind of weird because like a branch can mean different things to different people at different times. So like I can say like, hey, what's your branch got? Or, you know, what's your latest uh, commit in your branch? And you can tell me and I can tell you the latest branch or latest commit in my branch and they can be different. So the branch is just kind of like a handy way of referring to this like lineage uh, and the heads for that lineage can be in different spots based on who we are, what we're doing, and what kind of mess we've gotten ourselves into. Yep, it's kind of interesting. Um, tag, uh, another uh, label similar to branch and head. Uh, the difference here is that tag is a name for a commit that stays. So if I tell you, "Hey, check out this tag," it's always going to be the same. Uh, I said, Al said maybe you can change
0: tags." Is that true? kinda so what you can do is if if you tagged something let's say let's say like a common workflow is you want to tag your version that you put out there right into the world and you're like if I ever want to go back to 1.2.3 then I've tagged that version I've annotated it I can go back and find that thing and I can check that tag out if we ever needed to right and then Alan comes along and he's like, oh, but, 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 I got like a b- bug fix that I just merged in. I, this is the version that's supposed to be one, two, three. And you're like, oh man, I tagged the wrong thing. Well, kind of technically like to the rest of the world, it's going to look like you changed the tag, but behind the scenes, what you're going to do is delete the other tag, retag the new commit. And, you know, so correct. You didn't like really you know, uh, uh, change the tag. Right. But as far as like everyone else is going to care you, you did because it's a named kind of reference to the commit, right? And the commit has changed. And you changed what, what you're pointing that name to. So as far as like all your teammates are concerned, you made magic happen and you updated a tag that isn't supposed to be able to be done. But really you didn't, you just deleted the old one and recreated one with the same, same tag name. You yeah. should probably not do that. It's <laughs> like one of those
2: things. Like you have the ability to do it, but uh, in practice, like it, it'd be kind of weird if like you ask someone, like, "Hey, what uh, what codes up on the server?" And you tell them a tag name, and they're like, "Oh, was the tag name from before after uh, right. outlaw pushed that out fix in?" You know, it's a it's just a kind of a nasty thing. Yeah, that's almost the equivalent of changing history, right? On um,
1: on on an origin, almost sort of maybe depending, right? Because the problem that you could run into, based off what you just said, though is if you did a Git pull um, yesterday when it was the old one and I did a Git pull today when it was the new one and we both checked out that tag, we're checking out two different references, right? And that's that's the danger of it. Is the history-ish sort of, even though it's not really history, changed on it? The, the, I mean, the, the UIs around
0: different. it make it super easy. Like, you know, for a, in like a Azure DevOps or a GitHub, like it's, it's not hard
1: right but it's really just it's a timing thing if somebody didn't pull um, the most recent changes before checking out the thing and that's that's where things get dangerous but that's where things get really dangerous Would get in general is if 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 something changes that you don't expect to change it can be it can be nasty
2: yeah you might just one like accidentally tagging the wrong branch and then trying to fix it the next day and oh. like oh i can imagine all sorts of terrible things don't make manual changes start left Yeah. Right. Yeah. So more manual tags in the year 2022.
1: (laughs) The next one they have is master. So it used to be, and I say typically it probably not as much now. Um, the mainline branch where development was done in the repository was called the master branch. Um, I think a lot of, a lot of companies and development teams would change that to dev or something else. Right. Um, just to get away from the term master
0: or main. Right. Yeah. I think that that when we did, um, Minimum CD, I think that that one advocated for trunk as being the the main branch name. But I've seen uh, like Azure DevOps, I believe, was um, going down the um, main path as the main trunk branch, main branch, whatever. But yeah, it, it's definitely uh, you know, the, I would say like the industry as a whole, we're moving away from uh, you know, the default name. Yeah. And here's the cool part. It really doesn't matter, right? You can name it whatever you want because the
1: branch has no special meaning whatsoever. It's the same as any other branch that you have in get. So, um, yeah, that's basically it on that. Um, head this list the repository identify what's currently checked out that like, like outlaw said, that's the tip of your current branch. That is the latest commit that has been put in there. um, and this is where they called head an alias. If you check out a branch, head now symbolically points to that branch. Um, so that is, that's what you're on. When you say head, you're on the latest commit of whatever branch you've checked out. Um, and then we did that. All right. And then they point out the typical flow of of what happens in git and this is general and this is where going back to what outlaw said at the beginning is if you kind of learn the commands to do this simple flow assuming nothing crazy happens you'll probably be okay 90 percent of the time so the first one is you're going to create a repository you're going to do your work in your working tree remember that's just the directory that you're working in that's attached to a repository um once you achieved a good stopping point and they said it could be the end of the day. It could be once your code compiles, it could be whatever. Then you add your changes to the index, which is a git add. Um, that doesn't actually commit anything to the repository yet. Once your changes are in the state you want them to be, once they're in the repository. That's when you commit those changes that you already added to the index. And that'd be your Git commit. And we talked about this on our Git episode a long time ago. Like... Episode 90. Good Lord, man. <laughs> you looked it up before this, didn't you? No, I
0: just knew that one off the top Are of my head. It comes, it's, that one comes up so much. It's unfair. That one comes uh, up a lot.
1: Oh, um, I think we even said back then, like, typically, if you're committing something that you're going to be pushing up, it should be working, Right. I know we talked at the time that, you know, some people commit things at the end of the day or they commit things whenever. It, it's and Jay-Z just, commits when he's changing rooms. That's right. He did say that. I do Yeah, yeah it, I still do. Yeah. So he was like, you know, oh,
0: I'm going to go, I'm going to leave the office uh, area and I'm going to go downstairs and watch TV. Uh, so I'm going to get commit. commit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's crazy talk. Because um, God forbid if he were to like trip on the way down, he right. <laughs> actually hit that delete key. Yeah, you don't you don't know what could happen. Yeah, right. Oh, but yeah, uh, it was episode ninety comparing Git uh, workflows, and I'll I'll have a link to that in the uh, show notes as well. Cool. Okay, so I do want to like just close the loop on one thing though. <clears throat> I I, I uh, in the background did tests, and you if you do the Git tag, if you do the, check out the tag, you can also Git log it. Oh, and it'll show you all the commits leading it'll, up to it'll it? It'll show you the history leading up to it. Yeah, I thought that sounded odd. I never, I couldn't remember like having done that, but I was like, okay, let me go create a repo and then a bunch of f- commits and files and stuff and, and see what happens. But yeah, you can totally, which makes sense, right? Because like you could obviously see like what led up to that point in time. It would never be just that that one thing. You can always see like what, what got you there then why
1: uh, I'll have to do some, some reading and some research on my own and see if I can. Well, clear let's talk up it out now. Maybe. It. What's the question? Well, well, I mean, it doesn't, it doesn't follow with what they're saying about um, the sequence of commits. Right. And that's, that's what I don't get. Like when they say that the
0: get from the bottom, from the bottom up article, or Mark's comment. Cause like I said, like when Mark's comment about the branch thing, remember like I questioned that immediately.
1: Yeah. I think Mark is the one who said it, but then like if you have a detached head, when you check out a, a get tag, you're in a detached head. That means heads not actually pointing to a commit. Is that what that is? Like, I don't know. Like it's sort of unclear
0: to me how a tag is really different than a branch. If you can still well, if head trace points, everything, if head symbolic, okay, go back to the definition from the bottom up. And by the way, I'm no way trying to call out like Mark's, you know, definition for the, the branch. Oh, thing. No, it was just no. like, I'm not saying that sequence of br- commits wasn't a good way to think of the branches, but uh, go back to the, to the get from the bottom up and their definition of head, right? Head symbolically refers to that branch. But if you're not on a branch, then what could head symbolically refer to? So head, okay, so when you're
1: checking out a tag then, you're actually checking out that commit and all the sequences of commits that led up to it. However, there is no such thing as head because head is not pointing to anything at that point in time.
0: Yeah, you're not in a branch. And so when you're in a branch, head is just the tip of the branch that you're in. Mm -hmm. But if you check out a commit, you're not in a branch. So there is no
1: head. And it doesn't want you to be able to do anything, right? Because the whole point is head moves with whatever the commits yeah, are.
0: Yeah, head, like you said earlier, a, alias is a great way to, to think of that, right? Like it, it's going to move as as your commits move. And they you know, don't, as, you're, as you add commits, head is going to like move. And if you're not in a branch, you should not be able
1: to add additional commits. Like if you ever find yourself on a tag and you need to make changes, what you have to do is you have to check out to a new branch... Right, Then make commits, commit them, do whatever, right? And but- we
0: called that out as being like one of the workflow problems in episode 90, depending on like, you know, if I recall correctly, like we called that out as like, if you if you do this workflow where you're tagging a commit as like, hey, this was version one 1.2.3, and now you want to like do something to it, then it gets weird because, yeah, you can go tech check out that branch. Or I mean, I'm sorry. You can go check out that tag you know, V1.2.3, if you need to. But if you wanted to make any changes, or let me rephrase that, if you want to persist any changes, you have to create a new branch and then commit your changes to that branch, right? And then you can't check it, you can't merge it back into the tag. So you now have this weird state of like, well, where am I going to merge this back into? right in order to you know keep this thing around forever so you know yeah it, it, uh, the the workflow one was really good if you haven't already listened to it like i said there'll be a link in the show notes for episode 90 cuz it goes into i mean right now we're getting into like the nuts and bolts of like the blob storage kind of stuff that you know like the the file system management that gets doing behind the scenes for you to manage stuff but um the comparing Git workflows, we go into like more of the practical usages of Git. like, Hey, you know, depending on I need to maintain multiple concurrent versions and like, Hey, you know, here's some things to consider. Or maybe you're in like a situation where like, you know, web development is kind of like this easy anomaly where it's like, you can just always more often than not just roll forward. Right. Oh, there's a bug. We don't need to roll back. We'll just push out a new fix and and done. But, uh, like, when you have to support multiple concurrent versions, especially like on-prem products or, um, you know, maybe you have like different uh, mobile developments or uh, app developments that you don't have, you know, easy control over or, or, you know, cause you're supporting like multiple versions of that operating system. Then, uh, you know, it, it, the, those workflows become more important. Yeah. I'd imagine if you're doing something like
1: an Android app to where, you know, there's tons of versions of Android out there at any given time. Whereas unlike iOS, where they try and force you to upgrade over time, right? You're probably going to be handling multiple concurrent versions. And we definitely talked about some workflows that work better for you um, if you live in that world.
0: I mean, just look at some of the package development under Linux, though, for example, too. I mean, that it, it's you know just go as ahead. hairy with like all the different versions that you might have to have to have support for. And you can go see it, you know. Like even in Docker, for example, right? Like you can go see all the different versions of a Docker image are supported. So the idea is like, if you had to think about your product supporting these things because of like OS being a common example, then, you know, that's where some of those workflows come into play here. But you know, like one of the interesting things that I didn't realize as part of, as part of this, you know, this reading we'll get more into it uh, in, in coming episodes, but um, like behind the scenes, we've talked about like indexing uh, techniques and strategies, you know, for like how uh, like Kafka might like keep files organized on a disc or, or like when we were going over um, the designing data intensive applications, right. And all the different um, tricks that you might go through with like, you know, different B trees or whatever to, to keep things uh, organized. Well, those commit IDs, like it actually breaks those things up. And, like, that will be, you know, subdirectories. So, like, the first two might, digits of it might be one subdirectory. And then underneath, uh, like, this is all hidden underneath your dot your git directory, right? But then, uh, you know, the remainder of it might be another um, a file or a directory or whatever, depending on the situation. So, like, you know, it was kind of cool to me. Like, you know, I never bothered to think about it. I never... Like, I saw it there, but I just never cared to, like, like, really get into, like, the details of, like, hey, why is he doing that? But now I'm like, oh, I guess it's some kind of, like, optimization they're trying to do to, like, hey, I don't want to have all of these files broken apart. You know, I don't want to – you know, maybe it was, like, a Windows limitation, file size, a, a number of file limitations on disk or – a Linux or a Mac or wh- whatever operating system might've had some limitation of the number of files in a given directory. And so, you know, they started doing these little tricks to break it apart or maybe it was just a speed optimization thing. I don't know. Either way. I thought it was neat.
1: Yeah, I did too. I, I had no idea that stuff lived there and we will get into a lot of those nuts and bolts on, on the next episode.
0: Yeah. So, uh, like I said, we're going to have plenty of resources we like, uh, in, uh, or, you know, plenty of links, including the article, um, that got us here, uh, from, how'd you pronounce his last name again? Mark Dominus. De- De-
1: uh, hold on. Sounds right.
0: Um, Dominus, I think. Okay. That sounds better. Um, Dominus. And then, uh, the article that the book, uh, from Jeff or no, I'm sorry, Jeff. Boy, I can't even read John Wigley. And Alan will correct me and tell me how I'm wrong there, but it's called get from the bottom up.
1: Well, it could be. I think it was was it W E I or W I E I E I E. If it it's then it's probably if it's German, it's vaguely Dang it! the The second letter of the I E is what the sound is. In <sighs> All right, so everybody on the other side of the pond is like,
0: "I'm going to strangle outlaw."
1: <laughs> but but it may not be German, so I might be saying it totally wrong. Right? That's okay. So, yeah. yeah,
0: I give I give you. If I have ever bastardized your name, I give you full permission to bastardize mine. <laughs> Uh, you know, yeah, feel free. I can be Mackle, uh, Utlal. and you'd be like, yeah, and I'll, and I'll answer it. And I'll be like, yep, that's me. Mackle. I uh, like that. Uh, I do, I do too. Oh God. I see that one sticking. <laughs> Whew, boy, I should have, should have thought that one through. Okay. Well, uh, with that, we head into Alan's favorite portion of the show. It's the tip of the week. All right. All right. So
1: yeah. Am I first? Wait, you going first. Uh-oh, uh-oh. Who's first? Uh-oh. Oh, he is uh, first. Whoa. I scrolled
2: down too far. That's my bad. I That's stop. right. That's right. What's up? <laughs> <coughs> I'm still here. I'm awake. Uh, yeah. So, uh, I uh, I have copy crappy tip, though. You should have gone first. Sorry. Uh, <laughs> it's not a crappy tip. It's an amazing tip, actually. Have you all ever heard of Celeste? No. The video game Celeste. No. Okay. Uh, it's amazing. It's a little 2D game where you like kind of jump... Uh, And you are climbing your way up a mountain. It's got a little storyline that's surprisingly well done. And it is nails tough. Like, Nintendo tough. Beat you in the face. Except that there's infinite lives and it's very forgiving. So, this is the kind of thing where, like, you have to be insanely good for, like, 10 seconds at a time. And failing just puts you back, like, 10 seconds. So it's this kind of interesting thing where it's like really hard, but you feel really good. So it's like, yeah, you're going to you're going to die like 10 times in a row and then you're going to do it and you're going to feel amazing. And then you're going to go on the next screen and it's really well done. Like every everything about this is well done. And it was primarily uh, primarily developed by one person, I believe. I'm gonna double check that here. Uh, it's on all platforms. It's uh, it's kind of a cheaper game. I think it's probably like 20 bucks if you get it, to, you know, at a full price
0: somewhere. Steam, um, Itch.io, Nintendo, PlayStation 4, Xbox One, Epic. Yeah. Yep, and it's uh, from 2018.
2: Uh, let's see here. Yeah, it, it, there were two developers on it, two programmers and a couple of extra artists, but it was a very small team, like an independent team but i just am constantly amazed at how well it's done if you look at it like uh, just a still shot of it it looks kind of like a you know old school nintendo game doesn't really look like much mm-hmm. but when you play it, it's just really fast and really precise and it tells like a really surprisingly interesting story and uh just the whole the whole way it plays out it's just a really cool experience overall like uh yeah like obviously it's very much a video game and it's like a Video game, video game, like no doubt about it. But there's something special about it that uh, is worth checking out. So if you've been sleeping on Celeste, if you've been thinking about it, or you just, you know, like Nintendo stuff, or like you like something that's challenging but rewarding, then I would check out Celeste. Oh, and I should mention too, uh, there's supposed to be a ton of uh, of accessibility settings. So if you don't want to get your face beaten in like a thousand times, like I do, then uh, you can change it so that spikes don't hurt you, and you get infinite jumps, and you can slow it down. And, and things like that. So if you just want to kind of play the game for the story, then you can do that too. But uh, it's um, just really great. And so I highly recommend Celeste.
0: Well, since you thought, oh, I want to interject real quick here, Alan, since he, he didn't like his his tip of the week or he said it was going to be a crap one, which I thought was actually a pretty good one. I don't know why you're so hard on yourself. Pretty good. Pretty good. Decent. Yeah. I was giving him better than decent. But it, I, I'll tell you this though, Joe, because like a little, like from me to you advice. So, uh, you know, because you got some time right before next Valentine's day, but you know, I decided to get my wife some beads f- uh, for an abacus and you know, it's the little things that count. <laughs> so <laughs>
2: that one might be, get me shot. I don't know.
0: <laughs> Dude, that, that was an excellent one. Who, who had that one? Uh, that was dad joke.
2: Yeah. Oh,
1: that, I've been
0: that, using a dad joke API for like that. It's coming out with some gold. That, you got to go back really to their favorite API, uh, episode. All right,
1: so um, so it didn't sound like it was Flappy Bird's frustrating, right? So it, it's, it's definitely you – no. Know, I wouldn't say
2: frustrating. Okay. Uh, it's really like you, you will die. I, I've i definitely died over a thousand times, but it never sets you back <laughs> that far. And so it's – um you, you know, you don't really get – at least I, everyone I've talked to and you know, I feel it's like I don't get frustrated. I don't get mad. I just try and do a little better. And it's one of those things where like I'm like I'm just going to do this screen and then I'm going to go to bed. Right. And then I do it. I'm like, yeah, that feels so amazing. <laughs> let me just try this one so I can see what it's like. And then, you know, you start getting it. Yeah. And you just keep going and keep an hour later. Do you remember? Yeah. And it's it's totally adult friendly because it's, you play it in basically 30 seconds at a time, you know, like 10, 15 seconds of activity. Do you remember
0: life before save points and like Uh, you're playing Mario, you know, and you're trying to save the queen or the princess rather, but you're like, Oh, I got to go to dinner, and so you just pause the game, like infinite pause, was your save point, right? You might even do that overnight. Oh, but if there was a power outage, oh man, or or mom didn't know and turned it off, (laughs) yeah, right. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah.
2: I was on the third level.
1: Oh, that's amazing. Yeah. All right, so I got a handful this time. i um, uh, I've keeping with Alan's consistent. <laughs> if we did an episode a week, then I wouldn't have to do two or three a week, right? Or episode or whatever. I got to hey, make this the like tip of the week. five here. So even if we did a tip of one every week, you'd still have like two or three. Yeah, there's there's so many good ones. All right, so I got some gold in here. One is from straight up pain that I've been experiencing. So. Um, we've talked about the, the dependency hell that you can get into in .NET. We've talked about it in various languages. Well, I've now experienced it in Java and I don't like it there either. Um, well,
0: <laughs> is this like a Dr. Seuss book? It, it I've experienced pain in C sharp. I've experienced pain in Java. I do not like my dependencies conflicting. I do not like them. Sam. I am. I promise you. <laughs> um, so. One of the things
1: I ran into is, you know, I've brought up a tip on in a past episode of where you could use MVN dependency tree, right? And it would show you all the dependencies that were happening everywhere in your application, which is nice. But it doesn't show you where things conflict. Sure, you could probably scroll through a million lines of of that output and try and find it. But it's not going to help you much. There is. So I've got a link here to the article because I want to at least give them credit for putting this useful thing together. There is a plugin for Maven, at least there might be one for Gradle. I don't know. But if you're in Maven, there's one called the Maven Enforcer plugin. And what this thing will do is you can actually run the Maven goal of Enforcer and it will call out anything that has conflicting version dependencies amongst your transient dependencies, which is fantastic it still hadn't solved my problem because even though I found a million of them, I still haven't like, I got all the compiles working, but now I get runtime errors. So it's like, I, I still can't win. So I'll probably end up finding another tool that'll help me. they will be on the next episode. Um, but this will at least help you step through and see, you know, what, what is, and Oh, Oh, by the way, the reason why it's so good is it will actually show you the tree of what was calling the things that got down to that dependency. It was conflicting. So
0: you have a smirk on your face, outlaw. I was thinking of like, I and I swear there might still be one. But when you were talking about doing the using Maven to do the, um, the enforcer goal, like it made me think of like a song, and I'm like, oh man, I think there's a movie that had like this song. But then I, as I was like trying to find, figure out which movie it was, I remembered the one it was I was thinking of was Berserker. Oh, I haven't heard I of that right?
1: one. I- I know the song informer <laughs> that, that one pretty, too. I thought of that one too. And I was like, no, 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 that's not, it. that's not it. Yeah. All right. So that one, again, it's, it's hyper useful. Um, especially if you have a ton of dependencies and jars that have transient dependencies. Like there's so many, I mean, I spent hours today manually removing and changing things and I'm still not there. So at any rate, um, toil is what I like to call that. Um, Here's an amazing tip for those of you who offend people like I do by typing into Slack and hitting the enter button and ding, 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 like, you know, outlaws over there. Like, dude, will you please stop hitting the enter button? Um There is a setting in Slack in the advanced preferences to where you can actually tell it that the inner key will do a new line and not send the message. So, you can set this preference up. And then if you actually want to send the message on windows, you'll hit control enter on Mac, you'll hit command enter. And that means that you can type all the paragraphs you want without irritating people nonstop. And um, so again, that's a shout out to Jim Hummel on, on sharing that and our tips and tricks and, or tips and whatever it is in Slack. And if you haven't joined the Slack community, go to CodingBlocks.net slash Slack and go ahead and get in there. Cause it's awesome. And Sean, that wasn't nice that you called me out for that. Um, so <laughs> that, that was one. All right. And then the last thing I want to do, and it was outlaw who just said something that triggered this. And we may have said this in the past and I can't remember. And I'm going to try and find a link to like the Docker downloads page. We talk about Kubernetes a lot on this podcast because we love it and we use it a lot. There is a very frustrating thing about Docker desktop with Kubernetes. So one of the things that they did a while back that was kind of awesome is they bundled Kubernetes in with Docker desktop. You could just click a checkbox and you'd be like, hey, I want to turn Kubernetes on so I can do Kubernetes development with Docker desktop. That sounds fantastic. Until if you're a good citizen, like I try to be and upgrade my Docker's desktop when it tells me that there's an update out there for it. The problem is it also versions your Kubernetes version with the version of Docker desktop you're doing.
0: I hate that they tied those two together.
1: It's so ridiculous. And, and I'll give you the reason why it's very ridiculous is because a lot of times Docker desktop will have newer versions of Kubernetes out there that are available in, in Google Kubernetes engine or in AWS's, um, Kubernetes engine. I don't even know what theirs is or Azure's, um, Kubernetes engine. So, so basically, if you want the latest Docker features, which really, let's be honest, are there for container features, you are completely tied to whatever version of Kubernetes they're doing. so it's it's really frustrating. So my tip here was there are there is a page on Docker's site to where you can download a specific version of Docker if you need to run a specific version of Kubernetes. They'll typically have it in the release notes. What version of Kubernetes is shipping with that version of Docker desktop? So that's one tip. The other tip to follow on the heels of that is if you don't want to deal with that and you want to run the latest version of Docker desktop and you also want to be able to target a specific version of Kubernetes and not have it tied to Docker desktop, you can run minikube. And when you start up minikube, you can tell it the version of Kubernetes that you want it to run. So, um, I'll have links in the show notes for those things. I've got to dig up the one for the Docker download thing, but um, hopefully that'll help somebody out there. They, they are not the same. And and it was hyper confusing to me back in the day because you'd look up Kubernetes um, tutorials and and some things would tell you many cubes. Other things would tell you Docker desktop, but I didn't know they were different. Um, so, so yeah, may, maybe this will help somebody.
0: All right. So, um, Okay. So for first, my, my, I got a couple here, but the first one that I'm going to say is, uh, kind of a silly goof on my part, but you know, Hey, uh, we were, we were talking about this recently in Slack about like, Hey, you know what? You could, you can totally save a life. If you wanted to help somebody out, you can go donate blood, donate, donate platelets, plasma, or bone marrow, like whatever you, you, you want to do. And this is where like it's where the the silly goof on my part is, is because I just assumed like I knew that they have blood drives like, you know, and like you might see the bus at your local gym or whatever, you know, around you, you know, I knew that was a thing that would, you know, vary depending on time and location as to where it would be. Obviously, I also just assumed like, hey, it's Tuesday and I want to go get blood and I got 30 minutes. I could just go to like my local. You know, hospital or doctor or whatever, and be like, "Yep, you know, why don't you take like a uh, two, or three pints, whatever you need, you know, get the job done." <laughs> and and, but at least for my area, no, that is not a thing. It was it is so I've been trying to find uh, a a time that uh, w- and and location where I can give blood that fits, you know, that's reasonable with my my work schedule and whatnot because the windows of time are like super short. Like, you know, they're done by like two o'clock or something. And so, yeah, it's been it's been difficult to find one in my area. But um, so at any rate, I'm going to have a link to the Red Cross where you can uh, find a blood drive near you. So you, if you wanted to donate blood, platelets or plasma, Red Cross will happily do it. And another benefit to doing that is if you wanted to know your blood type. Uh, they will tell you your blood type too. And so then like um, I know in iOS and I'm sure Android has it too, but you like, you can update your personal uh, details to include all your vitals, especially in case of an emergency situation. And then like an EMT operator uh, can, you know, use, use your phone to pull up your vitals And one of the things could be your blood type, which in a life or death situation, you might be saving your own just by knowing uh, your blood type. So um, there's that. But, I'm also going to have a link to be thematch.org and if you wanted to donate blood marrow, uh that is a resource that you can do and there's here's another goof on my part. I just assumed that like I've donated blood and platelets before uh plenty of times. I've never done a plasma or a bone marrow. But I just assumed that the bone marrow would be like, yeah, we'll just take a bag of it. You know, we'll just put it in this bag and keep it in the refri- in the freezer. And when we need it, we'll just pull it out of the freezer and give it to somebody. Right? Nope. It's it's bone marrow is more like it's, it's almost akin to like an organ. Like they have to know like, Oh, we have a need for it right now on this person. And you are a match. Are you available to come in and, and do the donation right now? And so, Uh, be the match will basically is like a registry. Like you can sign up to say like, Hey, I would like to do this. And, um, they will, they, you know, they'll keep your contact information and they'll contact you, uh, when you're needed, you know, uh, based on they have a, a match and a need, but also no. And here's another part of the goof on my part for, uh, the bone as it relates specifically to the bone marrow part, there's an age limitation on that which I totally didn't know. I, I totally would not. It, it makes complete sense, you know, after reading about it, cause they're like, well, we need the, the stem cells for the younger, uh, the younger, a younger person's stem cells are going to be, you know, uh, better for this case. And so, you know, uh, older, you know, the, then it's like, thank you for, for wanting to be a volunteer, but, uh, you know, whatever. So, you know, you can try it and find out, uh, you know, if, if you qualify or not, obviously me being 21, uh, I definitely qualify. Um, so at any rate, I'm going to have some links to that. So, you know, you could totally be, uh, somebody's hero in your area and, and you might not even know, but, uh, you know, you could definitely put a smile on their face. Uh, so then kind of similar to, uh, you know, uh, the bells that, that, Alan was dinging with Slack. Um, if you want to turn off all the stupid bells in WSL, I'll have a link to a stack overflow answer that goes over the, uh, annoying number of places that you have to make changes in order to remove the bells. But, uh, this answer goes over the bells for bash, uh, them and less. So at least covers three, which for me, you know, you get into, um, WSL and you're like relying on, if you rely heavily on tab completion, like I do. Oh my, those things can just get so annoying. So yeah. Uh, turn that stuff off, save yourself. Um, so yeah, we'll have, we'll have a link to that. So, uh, with that, Subscribe to us on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, wherever you like to find your podcasts. And, uh, you know, as I said earlier, uh, if you haven't left us a review, we would greatly appreciate it if you would take the time to leave us a review. It really does mean a lot to us. Puts a smile on our face and uh, you can find some helpful links at www.codingblocks.net slash review. Yep, and while you're up there
1: at the site, check out our show notes. Um, like I said, we keep pretty copious show notes, examples, discussions, and more. And send your feedback question, r- questions and rants to our Slack
2: community at codingbox.net slash Slack. Yep, yeah. and uh, if you're not feeling like joining Slack just yet, why don't you follow us a follow on Twitter, hang out, see what we we'll post. And uh, you can do that, or you can do both uh, at codingbox or go to codingbox.net where you can actually do both via all the social dillies at the top of the page.